are starting a new series here at Solid Rock, a brand new series, and it's called Teach Me to Pray. Teach Me to Pray. Um, and I hope that you have your cell phones muted or off. If you need to exit during the sermon, we'll ask that you exit out the back doors very quietly. If you come back in, the ushers will sit you on the back row so you don't disrupt any part of the service. But for your notes, Teach Me to Pray is the title of the new series in Matthew chapter 6. Um, do any of y'all in here remember... Uh, before there were cell phones? Like, were any of y'all, like, really around before there were cell phones? And do you remember what it was like? Okay, so funny. Micah, my wife, she's young. She doesn't know what it was like to not have a cell phone. And so I'll never forget, even back in the day, my dad had one of those bag cell phones. I remember those? Like, listen, you were, you know, he had a bag cell phone. Listen, you were like, you were like up there with Wall Street guys if you had a bag cell phone, right? That was awesome. I mean, sometimes I think people would just go out to the car just to use this bag cell phone to say they were on a cell phone. It was amazing. Um, and so I, I just think about the, the, the all factor of being anywhere in the world and being able to call somebody and talk to them. Do any of y'all remember the rotary phones? This was actually my phone. I, I used to, you know, if it, like, let's say it's an emergency, and who's your emergency contact? Let's say it's your spouse, and you're like, oh my God, somebody's trying to kill me. Eight, four, three. Oh crap, I did the wrong one. Start over. Eight. Remember that? I remember when I was a little kid, I remember we had one of these in our house. I remember my mom was on the phone. And um, I don't know why I have this memory, but she was on a phone. It was, had a really long cord. Like, you know, they didn't have the cordless back then. It was the, this, she had a cord that was like from here to the back of church. And um, I wanted her attention. I was a little kid, and she wouldn't give me her attention. She was talking on the phone. So I got a pair of scissors, and I cut the cord. I, yes, I did. I've been special ever since. Yes. God made me very unique. I'm very unique. But um, she'll tell you that story. But it's amazing. It's amazing how far we've come in being able to, to be able to talk to somebody, you know? And um, I remember when I was in high school, we had beepers. You remember, y'all ever remember the beepers? My grandma thought everybody that had a beeper was a drug dealer. I mean, if you had a beeper, you were a drug dealer. I could not convince her otherwise, you know, no matter how much pot I tried to sell her. Anyway, and so, um, <laughs> it's so funny how, how far we've come, you know, uh, two of the most important things in the life of a believer, I think one is being able to hear from God, learning how to hear from the Holy Spirit, and I'll teach you that in a few, in a few months from now. But the other thing is, is being able to communicate to God, being able to talk to God. And imagine, you know, it's, it's a lot of effort. When I was trying to explain this kind of phone to Micah, um, she said, well, how do you know when your fingers are supposed to stop? Like when you're supposed to let go, you know, you do, how do you know? I said, well, there's a, a metal thing there, you know, and you, you do like this and you... I mean, if it's a real emergency, you got 911, 9-1-1, you know. And so it's a lot of effort to use one of these. And, and I think about people like um, in the Biltmore, if y'all ever been to the Biltmore, that was before there was phones. And I think, how in the world did this man create this huge, massive mansion and the plumbers and the concrete and bringing people in without a phone? Like when you had to meet with somebody, you had to send them a letter. Can we meet at so-and-so and so-and-so? You had to have everything ready for that meeting because you might not be able to talk to the person again for weeks or months away. Imagine we had a, a phone line where we could talk to God. Like where we could talk to the creator of the universe. 
And you don't even have to dial a number. You don't have to do the da-da-da-da-da-da-da and wait. You know, you don't have to. My, I think my nana tells me her, one of her relatives, worked in the phone system back in the day where, you know, you'd, you'd pick it up and ring one person and they'd say, transfer me, you know, and all the phone numbers were like three numbers. You know, I'm calling so-and-so. What's their number? 136 or something like that. You know, imagine having a line. I think about it like the, the bat phone that was red that called Gotham City, you know, and you pick up and it's like all of a sudden God's on the other end of it. God, God, I think some of y'all, your lives are so difficult because you don't bring God into it, you know? Um, If there's times where you ever just felt like your life was over or you're incredibly depressed or people have hurt you or you lost your job and you feel like, does anyone understand what I'm going through? And all you got to do is just pick up the phone and you just call God. You just talk to him. And the power of prayer is so amazing. I don't understand how people can go without it. I don't understand how they can have have some time available or quiet time during the day or they're going to work and they're stressed. I don't see how they can't just stop and say, God, I need help today. I need you in my life today. I need you around. I want some wisdom. I'm going through something. All they got to do is just We don't understand the awe of being able to talk to God. So I'm going to explain it to you. I think one of the reasons that we don't pray is because there's questions that we have in our heart that we haven't never asked or found the answer to, and it prevents us from praying. Let me give you an example. Is the result of prayer worth the effort of praying? And we all say yes because it sounds good, but what do you really believe? I mean, if every time you prayed your wallet got thicker, you'd pray a lot more, I bet. Because the result is something that you think, this is valuable. More money's showing up in my wallet every time I talk to God. So sometimes I think we just don't know the answer. We don't know the answer. Is the results worth the effort? How about this? What is the result of prayer? What is the result? So in other words, how do you know that you prayed correctly? I mean, what is the result? Is the result God saying, I heard you? Is the result you getting what you want? Is that supposed to be the result? I'm going to teach you the answers to all these over the next several weeks. How about this? Does the amount of time I pray determine the outcome? That's a valid question. In other words, if I pray for three minutes versus 30 minutes, is my prayer request more apt to come to pass if I pray longer? If so, how long is the right amount of time? How do you know when, okay, I'm done praying about this? I mean, you obviously can't pray all throughout the day because you're at work and you got things going on. So how do you know how much is the right amount of time? And I'm going to give you that. The Bible actually teaches us that. I'm going to show you in the next few weeks. Does God listen to everyone's prayer? I'm going to say no. We just read a few weeks ago that Jesus heard somebody but ignored them. But did he listen? Did he, did he, it's one thing to hear. It's another thing to listen to. I mean, there's times in the Bible where people prayed and God did not listen. God rejected that prayer request. Why? We need to learn why. Does the quantity of people praying determine the outcome? If I get three people to pray or if I get three million people to pray, is it more apt to come to pass if I can find three million people praying versus three? Does the quantity matter? If the quantity did matter, that means that we have more of a chance to get prayer requests answered because we have Facebook and Internet versus people 100 years ago. Evidently, God's not going to answer their prayers as much as ours because they, they couldn't communicate to that many people, but we can. 
Or does the Bible say when two or more? Two or two million. What about when the Bible says, if, my na- if a nation of people will turn from their wicked ways and pray, I will heal their land. In that case, the quantity does matter. Because if 10% of our nation prays, eh, I don't know. But if 90% of us prayed, what about this? Can the quality of the person who is praying determine the outcome of the prayer? If you have a prayer question, you ask three different friends, is there a chance that one of those people, that God will answer that prayer request for one of those people versus the other two you've asked? Does the quality of the person matter? Yes. The Bible says if you're sick, call on the church elders. doesn't say the deacons. doesn't say the deaconesses. It says the elders. So there are certain people. What about the gift of healing and miracles? You have gift of tongues, gift of interpretation, gift of prophecy, gift of healing and miracles. There's some people that are more apt to pray and receive a miracle than others. What about the fervent prayers of a righteous man avail much? Let me ask you some questions just so I can better preach this series. And I need you to be honest with me, okay? Don't put up the first question. I want, you to, put up, I want to ask you this first. Everybody that's in here right now that's alive, raise your hand. Okay, I just want to make sure everybody's going to participate. Okay, good. Everyone in here, and be honest, if you pray more than five minutes every day, average, if you pray, you can put it up there now, you pray more than five minutes a day, raise your hand. Honestly, be honest. Okay. Everyone in here that prays out loud more than you pray in your head, raise your hand. Ooh, this is going to be a good sermon today. How many of you pray in your head more than you do out loud? Oh, man, I'm going to get you in a second. What about this? How many of you here are 100% positive? You have studied the scripture, the Bible, you've asked, you've done what it takes, and you know that you pray correctly. Raise your hand. Yay, now we're talking. Okay, this can be a good series. So here's what happened. Um, I prayed just the way I heard my mom and my nana and my dad praying all my life. That's what I did. I heard people in church pray, that's how I prayed. Until I became a pastor, and I discovered that people can be deceived. That we can actually think we're doing something right, and it turns out we're not. I learned that. And so one of the things I wanted to make sure I wasn't being deceived about was communicating to God. So I emailed a bunch of pastor friends, and I said, teach me how to pray. And every one of them had something different to say. And I hate it when that happens. I hate it. I want, I, want, I want the answers to confirm one another, and it wasn't like that. And I thought, if there's anything that a pastor should know how to do, it should be able to teach people how to talk to God. So I said, God, you know, this stinks. None of these pastors are telling me what I want to hear, and it doesn't say, who do I believe? I mean, like, which one is right? I wish there was a place in the Bible where you just taught us how to pray so we'd know how to pray. And he did. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, you can open your Bibles there, but if you got that opened up, I want you to write in Matthew 6, get you a pen, I want you to write this. I want you to write Luke 11 next to that passage. In Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, I want you to write Luke 11. Here's why. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all cases of Jesus' life and ministry, okay? They were written at different times, but they were written about the same time. They were written about the life of ministry of Jesus. So there's brother chapters, like I like to call brother stories. In other words, some of the same stories in Matthew or in Luke or in Mark or in John. Okay, so Matthew 6, 9, which is the Lord's Prayer, there's also Luke has the same account of that day in that story. 
And I like how Luke starts the story better than Matthew, but I like how Matthew records the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to study Matthew 6, but we're going to look at Luke 11 to start. Luke 11 verse 1 says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to what? Now, this scripture should blow your minds. I mean, you should be like, I cannot believe this just happened. This is crazy. I don't believe it. Why should we act like that? Here's why. These men were grown men who were Jewish, who who lived going to synagogue every single week. These men have prayed a thousand times. These men have heard Pharisees and teachers of the law pray a thousand times. And then all of a sudden, Jesus gets done praying, and they're like, okay, something was different about this. What in the world just happened? We thought we'd been praying right all this time. We've been praying since we were kids. And there's something about the way Jesus prayed that is different than how we pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. I mean, that's amazing. They spent their whole life thinking they were doing it right. They thought they knew how to pray. Evidently, maybe their prayer requests wouldn't get answered or for whatever reason, that when Jesus got done, the first thing they said was, wow. We want to be able to do what you're doing. And so Jesus said, okay, I'll teach you how to pray. Now, the Lord's Prayer is not a religious formula to get something. Um, it's, it's not like the spiritual equation. It's a pattern. Everybody say pattern. It's a model. So we're going to study the Lord's Prayer over the next several months so we can learn how to pray on our own. So in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, I want you to read it good and strong, which Brian already did, which was amazing to me. And so good and strong, start from when, ready, go. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not, but deliver us for thine. Point number one is this. When you pray, pray like this. He didn't say if you pray. He said when. In other words, prayer is a necessity for believers. It's a necessity. It's not if you choose to pray, when you pray. Here's what's so interesting. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, and he began to pray out loud. He didn't say, when you pray, here's what you need to think in your head. In fact, out of the entire Bible, every single person that ever prayed, prayed out loud, except for one. There's only one story in the whole Bible that I can find where somebody prayed in their head. Does anybody know who it was out of curiosity? I'll give you a hint. It was a woman, and she wanted a child so bad that the priest thought she was drunk. Close. Hannah, Samuel's mom. Samuel the prophet, his mom wanted a baby so bad, she she didn't even know what to say. So the Bible says she was praying in her head, and they thought she was drunk. She was crying so bad hysterically. And I think there's a reason why that she was crying hysterically is because she wasn't praying out loud. And here's why. Um, there's something more powerful about speaking than it is thinking. If you are, you can tell me all, you can tell me you pray in your head all day, but I am a pastor and I think it's impossible. I think there's no way you can stay on track up here without talking. 
I mean, you got to really be a disciplined person to be able to think prayers up here without thinking about what I got to do later, what I did wrong earlier, what I need to get fixed. I got to go to this. Is this person? And here's what happens. Whenever you speak, just like when you praise God, our thoughts don't bless God at all. They don't bless God at all. It's when you praise, the Bible says, with, with your lips, praise God. Um, there's something about saying things out loud that causes your mind not to get off track. It's a lot easier to get off track when you're just thinking it than when you're saying it. When God spoke the worlds into existence, he didn't think it. The Bible says in Genesis 1, 1 through 4, in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and it was void, and there was darkness all over the place, and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over those waters, period. And listen, there was darkness everywhere, the earth was void, and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit was present. The Holy Spirit was available. The Holy Spirit was there, and nothing changed. There was still darkness. The earth was still void. Nothing happened until God said, let there be light. And light came at 186,000 miles per second. Why? Because he spoke it. Who was around to hear? Did light have ears? No. There's something powerful about speaking it out. Think about the thousands of times in the Bible, Yuri, where people are praying. They didn't pray in their head. They prayed out loud because things changed. Your words have life. They have meaning. There are seeds that are being sown. When you pray out loud, it doesn't just affect your prayers. It changes your heart. It changes your life. There's something about, the Bible says, uh, hearing the word of God brings faith. Hearing it. Hearing it. Think about every time you pray out loud, you are hearing, hopefully if you're praying correctly, you're hearing God's will and God's word. Something about hearing. Um, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. He didn't say, when you pray, pray like this. Get on your knees. Put your hands together. Close your eyes, not one of them, but both of them. Put your head down. He didn't say that. In fact, 90% of the time in the Bible, 90% of the time, people prayed with their head up, their eyes open, and their hands out. They prayed, they gave God praise with their mouth, and they, they put themselves in a position of receiving. There's a few times where people bowing down, a few times where they laid prostrate on the ground, a few times where they were on their knees, but most of the time they had their eyes open looking towards heaven with their hands up. Um, now we bow our heads and close our eyes at the end of service as a sign of reverence and to prevent distractions and that kind of thing. So there's nothing wrong with it, nothing wrong at all. I'm just saying it's more powerful, more powerful to, to, to pray out loud and to look up at the heavens and that kind of thing. When you pray, pray like this. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not worry about anything, but pray about everything. Um, God wants to be part of your life in every area. God is not just for Sunday mornings. Uh, some people think that Sundays are just for God and football. That's not true. Football's for Mondays as well. But also, God wants to be part of every single area of your life. He wants you to bring him with you when you go to the store. He wants you to bring him with you uh, whenever you're taking your kids to school. He wants you to bring him with you when you go to church. The Holy Spirit can be available to you, but if you want to see change, you got to speak it out. you got to speak it out. Um, uh, God wants to be part of, of everything. When you're cooking dinner, he wants to be with you. But here's the key. God will only be involved in as much of our life as we bring him into. The Holy Spirit can be hovering over the waters of darkness with an earth that's void and nothing will change until you bring God there. It's like a relationship, a communication. It's like picking up the phone to call somebody. 
You can say all day long, well, yeah, my, my friends are with me or my brother's with me or my mom's with me. But until you pick the phone up, until you communicate to them, that brings them into your life. Proverbs 3, 6 says, acknowledge the Lord in everything you do, and he will direct your paths. If you want God to direct your paths, you got to acknowledge the Lord. How successful would my marriage be if I only talked to my spouse only on Sunday mornings? Came to church, talked to her, and that was it. Waited till next week, same thing. It would not be very successful at all. Not be very successful at all. Um... I was going to tell you all this before the sermon. I forgot because of announcements and stuff, so I'll get back to the sermon in a second. But a quick announcement. Uh, Y'all know that we have several thousand people that watch us online every week. We have between one and 3,000 views on our sermons every week. And I found out that Michael Jordan, the famous basketball player, has been watching us online. And I talked to him on the phone the other day. That's a lie. Okay, so now. (laughs) But do you hear how excited you got? When you bunch of sinners (laughs) found out that Michael Jordan is watching our broadcast and talk to me on the phone, y'all were like, wow, you know, he is pretty good. I had no idea y'all were going to react like that. Oh, my Lord. I hate to see with the second service. They're even worse than y'all. Listen, I talked to the one who gave Michael Jordan the ability to soar in the air. I talked to the one that gave Michael Jordan breath. And he watches our broadcast every Sunday. And he thinks I'm to die for. (laughs) Does that not shock y'all? I want you to be in such awe of being able to talk to God. I'm going to give you homework at the end of the sermon and for the next several weeks because I want you to get to a place where you have to have God in your life every day. And you don't see the power in it. You don't see the results, so you had not been doing it. But I want to get you praying to the point where when this series is over, you never want to go back to what your life was like before. Jesus said when you pray like this, pray, Our Father. Circle the word our if you got your Bibles open. There are eight plural pronouns in the Lord's Prayer. Think about it. He started off singular. When you pray, you pray like this. It's a personal thing. Our Father. Uh, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. The Lord's Prayer reminds us that we're part of a family. When the Lord's Prayer reminds you that you've got brothers and sisters in need, not aunts, uncles, cousins, not a distant family, the Lord's Prayer is about being part of a church family. And you don't just pray for yourself, you pray for your family. People that don't pray always go from church to church to church. They always do because their heart is all about themselves. It's not about, I'm part of a family. Our Father. They're like, no, it's my God, and I can do what I want to do, and I'm going to do what's best for me. Job 42.10 says the Lord made Job prosperous after he prayed for his three friends. Our Father is not just about you. It's about all of us in this room. Eight plural pronouns every time you say the Lord's Prayer. Um, uh, uh, Out of all the words that that Jesus could have used when it comes to our communication with God, He could have said, when you pray, pray to the God of the angel armies who stands in power. When you pray, pray to the creator of the universe who flung the stars into space. He said, no, 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 when you pray, you need to remember this. You're a child of the Most High God. 
and you go to him saying, Daddy, there's no more of an intimate and reverentful word um, as father, I believe. More respectful and intimate all at the same time. I have five kids. When one of them comes up to me and says, Daddy, can I have $5? And then one of you come up to me and say, Pastor, you're the greatest pastor in the world. You're just such a great pastor. Can I have $5? I'm going to give my kids $5 before I'm going to give any of y'all $5. Pastor is a great title, but there's something about somebody who comes up to me and says, Daddy. It says in Romans 8.15, the spirit you have received is the spirit of adoption, whereby we call God Daddy. Daddy. Out of all the names we could say, it's, it's Father. I mean, it's amazing to me. Some of you get, you get your, your view of your heavenly Father, you compare it to your earthly Father. If your earthly Father was difficult to please, abusive, um, died when you were young, ran out on your family, whatever, it's easy to taint your picture of Heavenly Father. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. Please, I urge you to begin praying to our Father. Our Father. It's not just mine. Which means when Jesus said this, Jesus was saying, I'm your brother. Our Father. Um, here's the next last point is this. Uh, which art in heaven? And if I asked you where God was, all of y'all would say in your heart, right? Because that's the spiritual Sunday school answer. The truth is, the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, but Jesus is in heaven. I mean, God is in heaven. The Father's in heaven, and Jesus is actually in heaven with him. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So the truth is, even though God is omnipresent, it's his Holy Spirit that lives in our hearts. It's like H2O. With water, you got a solid, which is ice. You got a liquid, which is water. You got a gas, which is steam. Is still H2O. It's still the same. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All the same, but they have three different presents. Three different kinds of presents. Not with a T, with a C. Okay, anyway, so here's the point. And so the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts, but God's in heaven. So how does God hear us when we pray? This is the all factor. This is the whole, you know, Michael Jordan was on the phone with me, and y'all are all excited. The fact that God can talk to our imperfect selves. You don't, we don't understand the power of this. Um, it happens through a word. You can write it in your Bibles, in the Lord's Prayer, a word called intercession. Let me give you a scripture. Romans 8, 34. Christ died and was raised to life. Now he's at the right hand of God making intercession for us. He intercedes for us. Um, we could not get to God. On our own. It, read the whole Old Testament. You can't get to God on your own. There were sacrifices. You had to find the priest, the king, da-da-da. There were sections where God dwelt, yada-yada. You couldn't do it. Having a relationship with Jesus doesn't just get you access into heaven. It doesn't just get your sins forgiving. forgiven. Uh, having Jesus in your life gives you access to talk to the creator of the universe. The word intercession means this, the act of bringing two parties together. When we could not get to God, Jesus died, and because of a relationship through him, we now have intercession. We now have a bridge. We now have a way to get to God. You have to understand, God is perfect, and you're not, and I'm not. Newsflash, we're not perfect. And so the very definition of perfection, um, it implies that you can't have imperfection anywhere near it. God is perfect. Therefore, if you have the slightest selfish thought, you can't get near perfection because you're imperfect. If you have the slightest need for yourself, the slightest ounce of pride, anything, you can't, no imperfect person can get near a perfect God. So through the sacrifice of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, now we can get to God through Jesus Christ. This is why when we pray, we pray in the name of, 
in the name of Jesus. You can't get to God but through. In fact, Jesus said, no man gets to the Father but by me. You can't get to God unless you go through Jesus. This is Jesus. You cannot get to God. You can't talk to God. You can't, and then the forgiveness of sins is great and the heaven, going to heaven is great. You can't even talk. You cannot talk to God except through Jesus. Let me give you another scripture, Isaiah 53, 12. Jesus poured out his life unto death, took on the sin of many, and made, what's the word? Intercession for the rebellious. Who's the rebellious? I'm going to read you another scripture, and you're not going to understand it until I explain it, okay? Joshua 17, 10. Ephraim was to the south as Manasseh was to the north, with the sea as their border, and they met together in Asher on the north and in Issachar on the east. This is a geography scripture. But there's three words in this scripture that I want to point out. Those three words are, they met together. Those three words in Hebrew is actually one word. Guess what the English one word is of those three words in Hebrew? Intercession. Intercession. These two borders, these two places, these two seas, whatever, they came together, they came together, they made intercession. They reached each other, they connected each other through intercession. So I want to do something real quick and then I'll close the service out, okay? I need, a, I need God. So Brian's going to play God because he says that's what Angela calls him sometimes. And so, so God, Daddy, you get over here. Let's see. Yep. You got the whole world in your hands. Chase is going to play Jesus because he has blue eyes, and in my mind, Jesus has blue eyes, which is not biblical, but anyway, so he's going to play Jesus. Now, in all my imperfection, in all my nastiness, in all my selfishness, I cannot get to God no matter how much I try. I can beg, I can plead, I can pray. Even in the Old Testament, the sacrifices, they didn't disintegrate sin, it just covered it up. There was no way I could get to God. But because of what Jesus did... Now, I can get to God anytime I want to because Jesus is making intercession for me. So y'all connect. There you go. And anytime I need to get to God, I just say, in the name of Jesus, and bam, I got it right to God. Here's what's so beautiful about intercession and prayer. It's not my father. It's our father. So let's bring up somebody else. Okay, let's bring up Jordan. He's going to play a sinner. He's been practicing for a while. And so... <laughs> Listen, Jordan's right out here. I'm putting Jordan out here, okay? Here's the thing. I love Jordan. I want Jordan to succeed. But he's not praying. He's not doing anything for Jesus. I could try to manipulate him. I could try to offer him money. I could beg him like a lot of us do to our grown children and things like that. But that's not working. But guess what? I got a landline. So when I pray, in the name of Jesus, bring this guy close to God. Look what happens. Let's try another one. What about this? What about that, that, that wayward child? The one that just won't do right. And you've tried your best. You've done everything you can. You don't realize the power you have. Lord, in the name of Jesus, that wayward child, bring him close to you. What about people you don't like? That coworker that gets on your nerves? Did somebody say pastor? I'm just kidding. That coworker that gets on your nerves? You're on your way to work. You're already stressed out. They treat you like crap. They talk down to you. You can't stand your job, but you have to have it. You're so depressed. God, oh, 
In the name of Jesus, Lord, bring that person to you. Lord, give me peace on how to deal with them. God, get them out of my path. Do whatever it takes. In the name of Jesus. Man, isn't that amazing? That any time you want to, you don't got to wait till there's an open line. You don't got to pay, you know, $30 a month to have unlimited calls and texts. You don't got to get to God. All you got to do is say, in the name of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Uh, y'all give these guys a big hand clap. I want to do that for you. Okay. I'm closing. I'm going to close with this. After World War I, the United States allocated funds to go help with the orphanages and the orphans that were left in Europe. Uh, there were children that didn't have parents, and so our U.S., after World War I, we sent them money to help. There was this, this is a true story, there was an old man who was very frail, very thin, looked like he was on his deathbed. He was walking down the street with a little girl who was just as frail, just as thin. And they made it to one of the orphanages. And they walked in, and the, the dad, he told the guy behind the desk, he said, I need you to take care of my little girl. I need you to clothe her, to feed her, to, to do whatever you can to help her. And they said, sir, is this your daughter? And he said, yes, this is my child. They said, I'm sorry. Our policies and rules are as such that we cannot take in any child who still has even just one parent alive. The man said, but I just got out of a prison camp. I'm sick. I'm old. I can't even take care of myself. I'm not going to take care of her. They said, I'm sorry, sir. Our, our hands are tied. There's nothing we can do. The father said, you mean to tell me that if I were dead, you'd be able to feed my little girl to clothe my little girl, to take care of her, to give her a home, to provide for her? The man said, yes, that's exactly what we mean. So the father picked up his little girl and he swung her around for the very last time. He gave her a kiss on the cheek and he took her little hand and he put it in the hand of the man behind the desk and he said, I will arrange it. He walked outside the orphanage, down the street, and he hung himself and died. I told you that to tell you this. One day up in heaven, Jesus was talking to the Father. And he said, you mean to tell me, if I were dead, that these people could be your children, that you would watch after them, that you would comfort them, that they would be able to live with you. They could talk to you. They could communicate with you. And God the Father said, yes, that's what I mean. So Jesus put my hand in the hand of the Father and he said, I will arrange it. And he walked out of his heavenly kingdom. And he hung on a cross. Making a bridge of intercession between you 
in God anytime you want.